This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined by Evan Grant. Hello, Evan. Hello, Kevin. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> Here we are at Election Central. Uh, we're, we're, we're polling now, getting exit polls from Michigan and Pennsylvania. And, uh, oh, wait a minute. That's that's not the right. That's not the right podcast. I'm sorry. That was my that was my uh, national political podcast, uh, which launched like uh, uh, this morning. Uh, and, oh, really? How's yeah. that going? You have any answers for anybody? Uh, yeah, I have. I have a lot of results. I have a lot of people on the ground. I have a lot of boots on the ground, uh, as uh, Hank Voigt says on uh, Chicago PD all the time. When he boots on the ground, he likes to say that. Set out. What's that? He rasps it out. He talks. He does. That. He does talk like that. Uh, we love Hank Voigt in our house. We can't wait until the eleventh. That's the week from today, Evan. A brand new season of Chicago PD. It's going to be great. I was much more a fan before Sophia Bush left. Debbie, too. Debbie loves Sophia Bush. Here's why she loves her so much. Because she thinks that she looks like Ford's girlfriend. Wow. Yeah. So. So there you go. Uh, I don't think that's a good enough reason to really like uh, an actor or actress, you know, is that they look like somebody that you know. But, you know, there's I'm not going to argue with Debbie's uh, thinking on these kind of things. Don't don't do that. No, no, I'm smart enough not to do that. What's up in the sports world, Kevin? I covered an election last night that had no voters. What was that? The Gold Glove. The Gold Glove Awards. Did you want to talk about the Rangers first before we even get to the Cowboys and uh, tanking and all the rest of that? Oh, no. Let's just tantalize the readers and listeners. Let's um, let's go with the Cowboys first. I know they'll all be waiting for a lot of talk about Rangers Gold Glove talk. Yeah. Well, it's a fun thing to talk about. I got stuff to say about that. Let's talk about these Cowboys because yesterday uh, in his uh, in his weekly radio show with 105.3, Jerry Jones talked about the topic of tanking which I was more than glad to talk about. He did not talk about the topic of tanking. <laughs> after, what, after just reading the single quote that you had in your column this morning, I'm not sure what exactly he talked about. How about, how about that? That was the first sentence. Uh, <laughs> it's, your best Jerry voice to the, to the listening public. Oh no, I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't deign to do a Jerry voice. Uh, there's too many people who are really good at it. And I wouldn't want to embarrass myself, uh, not any more than I usually do. But uh, oh my gosh, uh, you know, I, here's the thing about that. We're still not clear after Jerry's comments whether he's in favor of tanking or not. I think what Jerry was saying was it is too hard when you have that many people on a football field to tank. And he did, however, go on to say 
that what you can do, though, is play young people. And he said, I'm all for us playing young people. Uh, we, we have seen what they have done already. They traded everything, uh, got a sixth-round draft pick that could improve to a fifth-round pick. Uh, they cut Don Terry Poe. They cut Daryl Worley. Um, they, they shed a little payroll. It's one of the things that no one's really talked about is that by trading Everson Griffin, Jerry saved himself $3 million. Um, I don't, I don't think you can rule that out as motivation for Jerry. Uh, now they did also get the return of Randy Gregory who played pretty well last week, uh, in that loss to the Eagles, I guess when I say last week, Sunday. Um, so, uh, in, in my mind, these are things you have to do, you know, and the, when you're two and six, uh, the, if the Cowboys turned it around right now, if the Cowboys all of a sudden started playing like the team, everybody thought they were going to be, they, the best they could hope for would be eight and eight. Is that really what everybody is, is, is angling for is another eight and eight season. Uh, I, and I don't think there's any, and there's any way the Cowboys do that. There's just, it's just out of the realm of possibility. They're not the team that, people thought they'd be first of all the running back is not what he was two three years ago in any way shape or form uh the quarterback is the quarterback's position is uh i'm not even sure where you'd start to describe it at this point Um, but let's let's talk about the fact that the guy that they first of all Dak, who never missed a start is out for the season uh the guy they brought in to replace him first is, is out because of concussion, and now he's under the COVID protocol. I mean, what else could happen to poor Andy Dalton? That's just unbelievable. And third, the guy that they started against uh, the Eagles, Ben DiNucci, I, I, you listen, I, I don't really want to say bad things about a young guy. He's a seventh-round draft pick out of James Madison, uh, but he's, he's out there throwing the football like Uncle Rico throwing a stake at Napoleon Dynamite. That, that little sidearm delivery he had going there where he's flipping the ball around all over the place. I mean, come on. That's, that's not why the Cowboys drafted him in the seventh round. It's, it's like I, re- I remember one time uh, I was told that, that Dale Hansen was talking to somebody that was uh, under his employee there at Channel 8, and, and the guy was making a lot of mistakes, and he, and he asked the guy, where, where was all this in the tapes that you sent me? You know, And basically, that's what I would say about Ben DiNucci. Where was all of this, you know, when, you know, when we were considering drafting him, uh, I, I would bet he threw more pitches side, uh, more pitches. He threw more football sidearm in that game than he did over the top. Yeah. He looked like a reliever. I believe I made the comment that maybe if this thing doesn't work out for him, that arm angle will, uh, will get him a shot with the Rangers because it certainly was more baseball like than it was football like, but I'm not so sure Ben DiNucci wasn't the best quarterback on the field Sunday night anyway. So, um, yeah, Carson Wentz, uh, this, this is the thing I get into with, with, uh, readers all the time. Oh my gosh. Uh, emails again. Uh, when I, I wrote that, uh, the, the bright side of that game was that a, they lost because I was already priming myself to write a column saying that the Cowboys need to tank, uh, which how, how could you even tell they were tanking for one thing, but anyway, um, and, and two was that, Carson Wentz continues his his mysterious, strange spiral. Uh, I, I'm not sure what is going on with him. He does have all the talent in the world. He's big. He's he he throws a really pretty ball. Um, he's he's a great athlete, uh, and he might be a better athlete than than Dak Prescott is. But uh, he will make more strange decisions 
um, than any quarterback, I believe, of his athletic caliber than I've seen in a long time. He reminds me a lot, a lot of Benny Testaverde, uh, who was a very talented quarterback, but who would just occasionally make the most god-awful throw you could imagine. Why did you try to fit that ball in there? And, and I thought the play where he rolled to his left and then took that sack from Donovan Wilson in, in the wide open, it's like, how could you not see Donovan Wilson running at you on that play? It's just the two of you on that side of the field. And not to see that and take that sack and then, of course, fumble was a devastating play for the Eagles. That was the first quarter fumble, right? Yes, it was. I, I mean, I think I texted you after that and was like, um, what in God's name is going on here? So yeah. um, he, he single-handedly kept the Cowboys in that game. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, now, uh, so back to the question of where we're not here to talk about Eagles quarterbacks. Uh, back to the question of what the Cowboys are going to do. At this point, of course, they've signed Cooper Rush, which I was – when they signed Garrett Gilbert, I thought uh, someone had asked me in, in an email – who do, who do you think they'll sign? I said, I'd be surprised they didn't sign Cooper Rush at this point. He's familiar with the offense. You bring him back. You know, there's no break-in period here. And instead, they signed Garrett Gilbert, uh, which was odd enough to me. You know, at this point, you just want a guy who's familiar with the offense and who's, who's played in it. Uh, and Cooper Rush has done that. So now they have actually brought Rush back. Uh, speculation is that he will indeed uh, a start against the Steelers. But I'm going to say this. You know, is there a worse team? If you're a Cowboys fan thinking that maybe they could, you know, maybe they're starting to get things together. There's not a worse team in the NFL they could play right now than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, no, the, 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 they're it's not going to be a pretty picture for the Cowboys to play the Steelers this weekend. Um, but uh, let's get to your whole idea of tanking, Kevin. All right. Um, first of all, let me ask you this. It's easy to say when a team stinks that they yep. should just tank. But what makes you so sure that the Cowboys can even tank significantly? Like, what would be the purpose of them tanking at this point? The purpose is to get the best draft picks you can get. Uh, but uh, what, what is, what in your mind, what would be realistic and what would be worth a tank? Uh, well, look, here's what I think. Uh, obviously, they're not going to catch the Jets. The Jets have a two-game lead. As I said, they're they're shedding uh, talent now like a drug dealer uh, flushing his stash uh, during the drug bust. You know, they they are they are intent on trying to get um, Trevor Lawrence of Clemson uh, with the first pick. Now, that's not it. That's if Trevor Lawrence is so scared off by that he decides not to go back to Clemson, um, which is a distinct possibility at this point. Uh, so I don't think they're going to catch the Jets. Um, but, uh, you know, right now, uh, ESPN projects the Cowboys with the uh, fourth pick, I believe. Um, fourth or fifth pick at this point. That's with the Giants finishing in front of them with only uh, – uh, and, and certainly that looms as a possibility. Although I will say, I watched that game the other night uh, against Tampa Bay. Unbelievable that the Giants had a chance to win that game. And if not for Daniel Jones, they would have won that game. He made Daniel Jones. I, I, I I'm just, I'm, I'm just stunned to watch a quarterback like him time after time, after time, they tell him, just throw the ball out of bounds. You know, you're, you're getting pressure here. Clock's got to be going in your head. You got a guy who's grasping your leg 
throw the ball away, and he just still won't do it. How's quarterback it? play in the NFC East right oh now? Oh my gosh, is it? It's it's just at an all time low. I mean, it, there is you know uh, Carson Wentz is by far the most talented quarterback left. There's no question about that, and he is still the best quarterback left. Uh, but it is terrible. You know, Washington's got nothing. Uh, they've already given up on Dwayne Haskins. Um, you, you know, Daniel Jones has is been extremely disappointing. He is. I, I, what I don't understand is that you are on the verge. You were given this job. They gave you the job. It's yours. You've got it. You've shown some potential, got a little bit of athleticism, pretty good throwing the ball down the field. All we want you to do is when you get a little pressure here, throw the ball away. I mean, that's what Teddy Bridgewater has made a career out of. You know, Teddy Bridgewater came into the league, pretty good athlete, really smart guy, doesn't turn the ball over. He's, he's had a chance at a few different places to play. He did a great job filling in uh, for Drew Brees in New Orleans. Did a great job there, but he moved on, got other opportunities. He's moved around the league. He is still in the league because what Teddy Bridgewater does is, I don't see my guy here, I'm throwing it away. You know, right. and his, his, his touchdown to interception ratio is excellent. And that's all that Daniel Jones has to do at this point. They're not asking him to take us to the Super Bowl, Daniel. Just don't make stupid plays. And he continues to do it. So you feel like if the Cowboys just I, – I guess my perspective here is, like, if whether, whether you call it tanking or playing young players or trying to win with whatever talent you have left, I don't see much difference for the Cowboys, and I just don't know that I see them – climbing into the top three picks so well not not i disagree with that i think that this team now listen when i talk about tanking i'm not asking guys to go out there and give less than their half full effort that's ridiculous you, you never ask an athlete to do that the tanking is all about coaching decisions uh tanking is all about here hey we're gonna play this guy now uh we're gonna what they should have done they should have traded alden smith uh alden smith has played really well for the cowboys uh in the first two or three games he's really fallen off since then I don't know if he's hit a wall after, you know, four years out of the NFL. Uh, maybe that's what the maybe that's what his situation is right well, now. Maybe the I fact that he was out of the NFL four years and that the Cowboys were the only team willing willing to take a chance on him. Maybe that says something about that whole about his value. Well, I don't know. I, I, I will say I, I think that he has been everything they wanted him to be. But he's 31 years old. You know, they, they didn't keep the defensive end, uh, Robert Quinn, who they had last year, who was their best defensive lineman. He was, I believe, 30 years old. They didn't give him a, uh, another contract, and he went on to the Lions, and, and I mean, uh, he went on to the Bears, and, uh, and, and maybe that was right. He's only got one sack so far, so maybe they did the right thing. What I want to know is why are, what's the difference between him and Alden Smith at this point? I don't understand why Jerry has all, all of a sudden decided, oh, no, we're going to keep Alden Smith, a guy in a season where you're two and six, uh, and, and if you're going to criticize John Daniels, for uh, keeping Lance Lynn at the trade deadline, well, then you got to criticize Jerry Jones for keeping Alden Smith at the trade deadline. So apparently Seattle wanted him. Uh, I'm not sure what you could have got, but the Cowboys, uh, I'm, I'm assuming it's probably around a fourth round draft pick, third or fourth rounder. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good return for a, a little bit of investment that you had in him. You're saving some money uh, and you're piling up draft picks. And that's what this team has to do. My point about this team in this draft, Evan, and, and getting the highest pick that you possibly can is there are some quarterbacks that people really want at the top of this draft. Trevor Lawrence being one, Justin Fields being another, the quarterback from Ohio State. Uh, you, you're even getting 
South, another South Dakota State quarterback, uh, Trey Lance, has moved up into the pecking order now. Uh, I've seen some mock drafts that had him going in the top 10. Uh, so there's a possibility if you get up there and the teams are really desperate for a quarterback, and let's say the Cowboys have the third or fourth pick, if one of those quarterbacks is available at that point, I'm, I'm dangling that out there. What do you give me for this? Can I get a first and a second uh, for this? If the Cowboys can do that, they should jump at it because this is a team that needs talent. This team needs a defensive tackle in the worst way. This team needs a quality defensive tackle. That is the number one priority for this team. Their, their inability to stop anybody's running game is embarrassing, uh, and they have to find somebody who can stop that. Uh, second thing they need is another cornerback. Uh, they, they still need a safety. They probably need another offensive lineman. Although to me, that would be something I would I would make at least my third or fourth priority at this point. I, I'm not I'm I'm not arguing with you on any of the of the logic behind the fact that the Cowboys are decimated talent wise, that they're missing you know they're missing their quarterback and they're going nowhere this year. I, I just still feel like I don't want to get people's hopes up about moving into the top three because they're not going to catch the Jets, right? Right. I still feel like the two teams in the AFC South that are that are one-win teams, are one of those teams is going to finish worse than the Cowboys. Either I'm not sure. Houston. You know, Michael, Michael Irvin, who is the biggest Cowboys cheerleader who ever lived, asked the question last week, or he said he thinks the Cowboys are the worst team in the NFL. Uh, I, I think we're, listen, I don't know. I wouldn't concede anything except the Jets as the number one at this point. The Cowboys are down to their third string quarterback. Sure. So how many teams are playing with their third string quarterback? Uh, how many teams many, are but playing? My point is that there's a lot of bad teams in the NFL. Well, I, I mean, think there, there are, I think there are a lot. Yeah, absolutely. There are 10, there are 10 teams right now with, with, with two or fewer wins. And, but, and the Cowboys have a win over two of those teams. But, so but here's, but here's my tiebreakers in this. I know that. But here's my question to you, Evan. What's the point of trying to finish six and ten? There is no point. I mean, I, I'm just saying I don't I don't expect and, and we're we're kind of arguing um over paper cuts here, but I just don't I don't see the Cowboys moving into the top two or three. Maybe you know, if if four is the best they can do or five is the best they can do. And that still gets them some leverage. Yeah, that's the best thing that can come out of what's become a disastrous season. Well, let's look what happened the last time they had a t pick in the top four. And that was in 2016. And they got Zeke Elliott. Now, we can go back now and question. And let's uh, that go back pick. to all the NFC championship games that Zeke Elliott has helped lead them to. Well, that's true. Uh, now, now, I will say this. Uh, I, I feel bad about this. My initial in that draft uh, I was uh, the way I had the guys listed at that point, uh, for the Cowboys, Joey Bosa was number one, Jalen Ramsey was number two and then Zeke was number three for me. By the time the draft came around, I, I was on board with the whole Zeke Elliott thing because it looked like for one thing that Joey Bosa for sure was not going to be there. And so it became down to Jalen Ramsey and Zeke Elliott. Um, I went with the Zeke thing on the grounds that, okay, they're going to turn it over to the running game and they're going to, they're going to dominate, you know, uh, time of possession. And they're going to, that's going to help out their defense even more than Jalen Ramsey could. Well, looking back on that now, 
the good news is for the Cowboys is that, you know, Jalen Ramsey is, has been just as good as everybody thought he was going to be. Um, probably at least, uh, early in his career, it looked like he was going to be better. Uh, I would say in the first couple of years, even in Zeke was at his best, that there was a big question about whether the Cowboys shouldn't have taken Jalen Ramsey instead, basically because their, uh, secondary was so bad. And then Jalen Ramsey was one of the two or three best cornerbacks in the league. I don't think he's that anymore. I think he's, he's still in the top six or seven, uh, which may be good enough. Um, Is Zeke in the top six or seven running backs? Well, here's the, here's the problem with Zeke. Not last with me. I mean, my question for you is how come Zeke sucks all of a sudden? Well, listen, last year I wrote a column probably halfway through the season uh, talking about the fact that uh, when you talk about uh, burst, uh, I forgot how we term the terminology for a 20 plus yard play, uh, you know, a chunk play. Um, how many times Zeke had done that? Well, you the decline was precipitous. You know, there were no more of those 20 plus yard runs. He never gets those anymore. Uh, they, they were on a decline last year. This year, there are none. I will say this about Zeke Elliott. He is once you once he uh, gets through a hole, uh, he's very he's very tough to bring down. He's a very hard finisher, and that is, I think he probably finishes as well as any running back in the league. Um, uh, what's frustrating about me with, with watching Zeke is that he's a hunt and peck kind of guy. We we talk about his patience all the time. Sometimes you just got to hit the hole hard, and you got to make something happen here. He is very reluctant to do that. Uh, he is a very good, he is very good in pass protection. He got blown up on a play a uh, week before last, which was against uh, Washington, which was not good. But in that particular play, the linebacker had like a 15 yard head start on him. So I, I don't really knock him for that. He has, he has been a very good pass protector, very good at picking up blitzes. Um, so that's something that's, that's very, uh, um, th that's something that, that's underappreciated. He at one time was a very good pass receiver. He is no longer that. Uh, it's his his lack of concentration on balls thrown to him on these swing passes, screen plays, whatever, is amazing this year. I, it's, I, I don't understand what's happened to him in, uh, in that regard. And he's putting the ball on the ground now. So, yes, all the things that, uh, that he was at one time a, a really all-around back. He was everything you wanted in a running back, and that was why he was the fourth pick of that draft. My problem is, is that – when they gave him the, the, the new contract before a, a year ahead of time, you know, before they could, the, and, and Zeke's contract was coming up a year ahead of his and they went ahead and gave Zeke's well, they gave Zeke's one because they, they liked him that much. And two, it's a lot cheaper contract. He's making 15 million a year as opposed to the 35 or 40 million that, that Dak's going to make. Um, but listen, running backs are the easiest thing to find in a draft. You can find a running back, Every year in a draft, you'll find multiple running backs every year. In the third, fourth round, you can, you can find a starting running back. And, and to me, to give Zeke that second contract was a mistake. Uh, and so that's, that's one of the problems with this team and, and the mistakes that it has made is that Jerry goes for stars. Jerry's always loved stars. Uh, I will say this about the situation at wide receiver right now. People will say they have three number ones now you know, in Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and C.D. Lamb. Uh, I was all for the Cowboys going out to get Amari Cooper. Their receivers were terrible as a group. Uh, Amari Cooper turned that season around when they got him. Uh, right now, if I could uh, if, if I could have traded Amari Cooper at the trade deadline, I would have traded him. Because uh, right now, 
That's a luxury. His contract, he's, going, he's getting paid $20 million a year. You've got Michael Gallup and you have got CeeDee Lamb behind him. I would say they were almost as good. Well, why is better. Michael Gallup so incredibly inconsistent? Why are balls that, that hit him in the hands so difficult for him to hold on to? Well, I think if you watched Michael Gallup's uh, success rate, uh, they're on balls where he is uh, he, he is moving away from you, right? He's a, you know what he reminds me a little bit of is T.O. Uh, Terrell Owens was, a, was the, the greatest receiver with the worst hands you ever saw. Uh, and a ball that was, that, that was thrown to him where – in, in, and I'm doing, I'm making this on zoom here, but you got the little uh, triangle here with your hands out. I'm always been a big believer in, in receivers using their hands, not cradling uh, the catch. Uh, T.O. simply could not do that. He was a cradle catcher. You know, when he, when, and, and a ball is coming down over his head, he's big, he's fast. He's got some uh, distance between him. The ball is just falling into his, his arms, right? It's a little bit of Michael Gallup's what he's doing out there. Um, when you, when you're asking a guy to simply put up his hands and catch it, you know, I always compare it to like a first baseman, you're just sticking your glove out there to catch the throw. Right. Um, he, he, Michael has a little more trouble with that. I, I don't, I, I think, first of all, I think that that's any complaints about Gallup are more of a situational. Uh, I don't think that they, they really apply across the board with him. Listen, I've got zero issues with his effort or anything like that. I just feel like there's a number of egregious drops. I mean, just egregious drops. I don't, I, there was one on it. There was a touchdown that Andy Dalton threw him. It was a little to his left. He should have caught it. Uh, yeah, I think that there's probably a little bit of that. Uh, you know, frankly, CeeDee Lamb's dropped a few passes lately, too, uh, and, and looked uh, out of sorts. You know, that's part of, to me, what's the matter with this Cowboys team is it just seems like, ugh, our season's over. Dak's out. Our defense sucks. You know, uh, you know that's what they look like when they're playing now. So when I say about them tanking, it looks like they've already signed on. You know, it, it looks like that's the, that's their attitude about all of it. Well, I mean, I think that, and that goes back to a lot of issues that, that have been talked about previously this season and exactly what the level of functionality is between the coaching staff and, and the team. Um, they, they look like a team that's in disarray and they, they, you know, I, Without Dak Prescott, again, for me, this is just more evidence in, in, in my mind of how significant Dak's presence is to this team. They look like a different team effort-wise when Dak is on the field versus when he's not. Um, that's, that's, my, that's my view from the TV. I may not be as, as well attuned to it as, as others, um, but that's just – that's how it looks to me. Well, uh, you know, our, our buddy uh, David Moore couldn't be on with us today. Um, and I will take a little bit of issue with something he wrote the other day. And he was talking about leadership. He said that leadership was way down the list of problems for the Cowboys, that there are plenty of leaders on that team. Uh, I would disagree with that. Um, I, I don't you know. David's in the locker room a lot more than I am well, uh, in the locker room this year, but. You know, nobody has an issue. You're right. But, they, you know, there are there are leaders on that team. Demarcus Lawrence is a leader on that team. Uh, Jalen Smith thinks he's a leader. I don't know if he really is or not. Uh, I'm not really sure that Leighton Vander Esch is a leader. And some of the things that he says are seem a little self-serving to me. Uh, I, that doesn't that usually doesn't go over very well. 
uh, in a locker room. Um, there's some good guys on that team. Like Amari Cooper is a really good guy, really smart guy, but he's not a leader. Uh, he's not assertive. You know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of guys that there's not, it's, it's not a, it's not a bad locker room. There's not a lot of bad guys in there. There've been bad guys in the Cowboys locker room before. I don't think there's bad guys there. I think they're just guys who just kind of feel like, you know, one of the things that happens, uh, on, on a football field, it's unfortunate is that guys try to make up for everybody else. This, I, I feel like I have to do more than I normally do. And that's what Jalen Smith to me does all the time. He gets caught up in things instead of being disciplined and staying where he's supposed to be and fill his gap. He is trying to make a play someplace else. He's very easily gets washed out of a play. Uh, it, it, if it, if it goes back the other direction, uh, and, and counters and things like that. Um, so they're good guys trying to do what they're, they're supposed to do. But to me, being a leader is knowing what my role is. I'm going to do what I have to do. And then secondly, I'm going to make sure the people around me do what they're supposed to do. You know, I'm not going to try to make up for them. I'm going to make sure that they're doing their jobs. Darren Woodson did that when he sent out a text message. Darren Woodson didn't play for the Cowboys in 20 years. He sent out a message to uh, Trayvon Diggs when Trayvon Diggs got beat by Terry McLaurin uh, in the Washington game, got beat by 10 yards because he was peeking into the backfield and, and McLaurin blows by him and takes a touchdown. And Darren in all caps says, do your job. You know, I'll say this about Trayvon Diggs. I like him. He's, they pick on him all the time. He's given up a lot of touchdowns this year. He's also got two interceptions, which is twice as many as anybody else on the team has. Uh, he's aggressive uh he's always at least around his man you know you very rarely you know, the, the mclaurin thing aside you very rarely see him in a position where it's like oh my gosh he got beat by three yards on this play uh he's always around his man somewhere and uh, and you know um, mike mccarthy says i've never seen uh, a rookie cornerback who plays the ball as well in the, when it's in the air as uh, trayvon Diggs does so that's that's a pretty high compliment to me so i think you got something there uh, they, they still need this Cowboys team needs a, a lot of help and, and, and the, what they need help in is in the trenches in the things that Jerry Jones tends to ignore. There's nothing sexy about drafted. Now they, they got him to buy into drafting all those offensive linemen. That was Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett wanted to retool that offensive line and that's what they did. Uh, and Jerry bought into all that. He needs to do that on the other side of the ball. The Cowboys defensive tackles have not been really good in a long time. Jason Hatcher was probably the last really good defensive tackle that the Cowboys had, and he left in free agency after that. Um, so they need to spend some capital, some draft capital on that. That is that has got to be the number one thing. You know, you know Marvin Wilson out of Florida State, uh, kid from Houston, uh, really good defensive tackle. Christian Barmore from Alabama. Those are considered a couple of the guys who, who are the defensive tackles who are really good, will probably be top 10 picks i would I'd estimate if the cowboys have a top 10 pick which they will uh the top five pick if they keep it uh to me that's where they've got to go uh unless they feel like one of the cornerbacks is better and 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 who knows at that point what they'll decide all right well let's uh let's move on to something else let's leave it with this i'm gonna hope that you're right on the cowboys tanking and that they end up with the second pick in the draft because how exciting will it be Next summer, or spring and summer, 
to be anticipating both the Rangers and the Cowboys picking second in their respective drafts. Now, isn't that something we can all get behind? Well, what's we, we're, second? We're, we should call us Rebuild City. How about that? Yeah. Instead of Choke City, we could be Rebuild City. Yeah, how about that? Uh, but here's the thing for the Cowboys. At least when they draft second, they know what they're going to get. They know they're going to probably get a pretty good player, and that player is going to play right away. That Rangers pick is not going to play right away. Not for no, Rangers he's, anyway. He's not, but uh, he might, if if they go the right way, he might play fairly quickly. Um, but that's 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 a long way down the road um, still. July and baseball season and college baseball season, um, there, there, there's a lot of hurdles for us still to overcome before we even get there. Um, but the but the Rangers are already on their way there. You know, one of the things that we talked about is how bad they've been defensively. And look what happened. Yeah, well, but here's the thing. As it was mentioned to me last night, it is amazing how a team could be as bad defensively as they were last year and still end up with multiple gold glove winners, which which says something. Um, have, have, the, have the Rangers ever won two gold gloves in one year? Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they, Moreland and Beltray won one gold gloves, I think, in two uh. Teams. that's right they, they've had they've had multiple years it's 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 been uh it, it's rare for them to have an outfielder win a gold glove um but the interesting thing about the whole gold glove conversation now is both joey gallo and, and isaiah kiner falefa moved positions this year joey is as you know is came up as a third baseman moved to first base moved to left field moved to center field and finally ended up in right field Isaiah Kiner-Falefa came up as an infielder, moved to catcher, which was a failure, uh, and then they moved him back to the infield this year, and he twice, twice during spring training and again during summer camp won a starting job at third base. Now the question is, could Kiner-Falefa move positions again next year and win a gold glove? Because I think that's very much on the table. Um, yes, I think absolutely. Uh, that's probably what should happen. Because here's, a, here's the issue here, right? It, this is not rocket science. Uh, what did, uh, what was, uh, uh, Isaiah's final OPS last year? This past year? Yes. In 2020, it was still in the low, I think it was still low 700s. It was not great. He got it over 700. I thought maybe he had fallen under 700 by the end of the year. Let me double check. While you're double checking that, what you're trying to get here at positions, um, is uh, you're, you're, you're trying to match up with everybody else. It's like a, it, it's a little bit like, you know, basketball. He finished at 699. 699. I, I, I thought he finished below 700. So 699 is not a good OPS uh, for a third. It's not a good OPS for a shortstop, but yeah. it's certainly not a good OPS for a third baseman. You, you really, you, you shouldn't go forward uh, with a third baseman with an OPS that low. He needs to be, he needs to have at least 750. Uh, and, and hopefully more than that, uh, 750 really to me is, is just about bottom for a shortstop. Uh, so our good shortstop. So uh, the fact that he's so good defensively is really great. You can only get away with that. And, and I'll go back to the, to the A-Rod days. If you've got a shortstop who's going to hit 42 home runs, uh, if you, if you do that, then, then, okay. Uh, I I'll survive with a shortstop like Isaiah kind of, uh, or third baseman like Isaiah kind of for left. Um, I think he does. His future is at shortstop. Uh, I, the, the problem with that, of course, is that that's where Elvis Andrus plays. Um, I, I, I hear from people occasionally, and I see speculation about it in the media. It just blows me away that anybody would think that Elvis should play another position, namely third base. Uh, Elvis doesn't have 
the offensive numbers to play shortstop. Why would you want him to play third base? Uh, it, it, it just boggles my mind about that argument. Uh, not to mention the fact that I'm not sure that Elvis can play another position. He plays shortstop fairly well. He's not an above average shortstop at all. He's not even an average shortstop anymore. I don't think, uh, so, uh, and then you got the same thing at second base with, uh, Ruggie Odor, a guy that people have talked about, well, what if you put him in left field? Well, same thing, you know, uh, he, his numbers aren't going to be any better out there. Uh, you're, you're most, there's only one, there's only three, as we always know, there are only three defensive positions on a field that you got to have. And that's right up the middle catcher, shortstop center field. Every place else is supposed to be an offensive position. Well, you have to, you have to have that. Let me say a couple of things real quickly. Go in, ahead. In any conversation right now, I think it is important when you're talking about the Rangers and where they play people to operate with this perspective. Um, it's not about Elvis Andrus and it's not about Rugnet Odor anymore. Elvis Andrus has a contract that extends through 2022. Um, if he finishes that contract out with the Rangers, uh, it's not going to be as a starting shortstop unless there's some unforeseen turnaround and unless there's some kind of uh, injury somewhere um, that forces him back into the position and he seizes it kind of the way uh, Edgar Renteria did in the last stages of his career with, with, with San Francisco and with some other teams. But right now, if this team is in rebuild, you're not talking about guys who have been here 12 years. You're not talking about a guy who's been here seven years. Rugnet Odor has had a very long time to prove he's a baseball player. And it pains me to say this, but there is under no scenario where I can say Rugnet Odor is a good baseball player. He doesn't run the bases well. He doesn't field his position well. He doesn't seem to have a real concept of, of how modern hitters approach their jobs. Um, Elvis has had two solid years in 2015. I'm sorry, in 2016, 2017, ever since he broke his elbow, he's not been the same. Um, and uh, he has shown no real ability to make adjustments. So when, if you're the Rangers, you've got a guy who played gold glove caliber defense and is probably a better defensive shortstop than he is the third baseman. You've got your number one prospect who is a third baseman. You've got a potential free agent class coming up after 2021 that is chock full of franchise level shortstops who will give you world-class offense and world-class defense, starting with Carlos Correa, including Javier Baez, including Globe Life Field all-time home run leader, Kyle Seager. Corey um, Seager. Corey Seager, I'm sorry. I get my Seager brothers confused. Me too. Um, uh, and Francisco Lindor. So um, if I'm the Rangers, my perspective is I need to find out what I have in Isaiah Kiner-Falefa this year. Mm -hmm. If he is capable of league average offense at shortstop and giving me elite defense, then maybe I take the 25 or $30 million or whatever it would take to go get that franchise level player and I go spend it at, at another position. Yeah. If not then I know what I have to do after 2021. And I'm also preparing for Josh Young to become my big league third baseman. So in my mind, everything about Andrus and Odor is no, longer, is no longer applicable. If they're on this team next year, it's because the Rangers couldn't move their contracts, which I don't expect them to be able to do. And if they're playing other positions, 
It's just because this team is in a rebuild and they need, they need, they need bodies. And those guys are on, on the team. I don't expect Ruggie to be a good left fielder. I don't expect him to be a good third baseman. I I think that if, if he was there, he'd be as a, he'd be there as a bench option um, because they, they just don't have anybody else. Uh, but that's, I, I think that's where this team is. It's got to move on from the discussion of what to do about Odor and Andrus. Their time, I, I, I hate saying this about Elvis Andrus because he's been such a part of so much success here and because he has, he has been uh, the face of joy in this franchise for a long, long time, but it's not about them anymore. Their time has passed. Well, there's no question about that. My problem with it, as you mentioned, is that uh, people act like, well, they, they'll just sit on the bench. Well, that's not well, going to work. They, you, you, know, you can't, there's no way that Ruggie Odor and Elvis Andrus are going to sit on that bench. That that neither one of those guys are going to be happy doing that. Uh, Elvis is a great guy, uh, but he has not really embraced a lot of things that the club has wanted him to do, and uh, he's certainly not going to embrace that. And he's going to be a bad example for the guys around him uh, and for the young guys. To me, you if you're not going to if if those if that's not going to be your second base and shortstop next year, those guys need to be off the roster. I listen, I can, I can agree with that, but I also know that the practicality of, of saying, Hey, we're going to eat 50 plus million dollars here. Um, and I will tell you this two words, sunk cost. I, I, Kevin, it's all, all the business elements all make a, a lot of sense, but it is still the idea of if I'm paying Elvis Andrews $15 million and somehow I get rid of him and he goes somewhere else and has even an average season. Um, they can't worry about that. I, it, it, it's just what you said. It, it, that's that's where. Listen, I go back to Jimmy Johnson, who who taught me about genius. And Jimmy Johnson's genius was when he became the head coach of the Cowboys. Is that everybody always said this guy's a first round pick. He's a second round pick. He's a third round pick. We have to play them. They, they 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 get a grace period here for five years. Jimmy was cutting third round picks left and right, you know, and, and that was genius to me. Well, the genius in Jimmy is that he was first of all he was running with a team that was basically had hit rock bottom, right? And so right. you could you could establish Rangers. a meritocracy, right. uh, and and I I agree with that. The difference in the NFL versus the versus versus MLB is that there weren't these kind of long-term contracts at that yeah, point. Right. But it is hard for guys to, especially with whatever pressure they may have from the front office or from ownership. And I don't know that any of that exists, but it is hard for guys to, to go and, and construct their roster strictly on meritocracy. I agree with you. I agree with the concept. I also know it's just not the way that business and baseball seems to get conducted very often. Um, and I, that, this is what I mean. You you got to be bold. The only teams that do it are the teams that are bold, mostly because they have the wherewithal to withstand what they they consider those sunk costs, right? Yeah. But um, that's that's the issue for me. With the, the great thing about you you let those guys go is the guys you're replacing them with are making nothing. You know, so that's that's the whole beauty of the sunk cost. You're paying these guys no matter what. So you're pay, whether you're paying them to play for somebody else or play for you, it doesn't really matter because you're not paying an exorbitant cost anyway. You're losing you 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 just jettison choose contract. You're out. You don't have to pay that anymore. You're saving a lot of money over what you've been you've been saving before. It's a it, it to argue 
Uh, and, I, and, I, and I get everything you say because it's all true. But to argue that, well, we can't pay him to play for somebody else. The Rangers paid A-Rod for years to play for the Yankees. For years to play for the Yankees. So MVP caliber level, too, for the Yankees. So. Absolutely. And Elvis, I'm going to tell you something. Elvis is not going to do that. Rugie's not going to do that. And even if they do, uh, what? Elvis has got how many years left on his deal? One? Two. Two. 21 two years? And 21 and 22. And, and Ruggie's got also, he's got two or three. Two. Two. All right. So it's two years about two the, with, with different options at the end, but neither one of those options is going to either vest or be picked up. Plus, if you're trying to listen, who are the biggest flash points for fans in this market? Ruggie's number one. Ruggie's, no question. Ruggie's by far the most polarized. Well, not polarizing, but he's, he, he's the biggest flash point for fans in this market. And, and to some extent, listen, you can make the argument, you go back and look at OPSs over the last few years, and Rugi's out OPS Elvis, but Rugi is the whipping boy, and Elvis is like, well, what if they moved Elvis to third? And what if they did this? There is, there is a narrative that goes along with cute and adorable Elvis, part of the world championship. Right. And Rugi, who punched a guy and got some horses in a contract. That, that's, right. that's the narrative that's been constructed and that's unfair to Rugnet Odor but my perspective as an evaluator from my from my eye view this has nothing to do with any of that other than the fact that in my mind I do not think Rugnet Odor can have a significant role on a championship caliber club I just don't think so Here, here's my only argument in, in Rugi's favor you can argue that Isaiah Connor for left needs to be playing shortstop at some point this next season, whether it's right away or whenever Josh Young is ready to play third base, that needs to happen next right. year for sure. Who's who do you want to play second base? You got Nick Solak is the only guy who's really pushing him because he doesn't really have another place to play. And Nick Solak is a worse second baseman in my mind than Ruggie is. Uh, no, I, so, I mean, again, I, I think that you've got you've got more offensive upside with Solak at second base right now. I think if you played Solak, you know, we, we just saw the Dodgers win the World Series and the Rays play for the World Series and both teams embrace the idea of extreme versatility. Right. Yeah, um, that's that's a little too much for me. And, and you're not a big versatility guy. But I, you know, I, I think I talked to Chris Woodward last night and he said it was important for Joey to find a home a defensive home right I think it's important for, for, for Nick Solak even though the guy comes with the attitude of I will do whatever it takes I think it's important to say let's give you a position and let's have you focus on that position for a year and let's let your offense of um let's really accentuate what you can do offensively will he ever be a great second baseman no I don't think so will he ever be a league average second baseman defensively not even sure about that but I would say this year again you, you want to find things out this year, you know? You're right. And if you find out this year that Kiner Falefa belongs in your everyday lineup, but you could still go out and get one of those world-class shortstops next year, maybe Isaiah becomes your second baseman in 2021. I, I mean, in yeah. 2020. Um, uh, if you find that Solak can play second base, um, maybe, you know, hey, great. You know, then you move forward with, with an inexpensive option. If none of that happens, maybe that creates an opening for Anderson Tejeda or eventually Justin Foscue at second base. But my my point, my thing is, this year you've got to start. To, you have got to commit to finding out about these guys. It's I, I I agree 100. Uh, percent I think that uh, 
that your, your point about Solak here, here and real briefly, because we need to go. Uh, Solak really liked him. I really liked him last year. Thought this is a guy who's really got something. Didn't like him nearly as much this year. Uh, thought that he, he, he really regressed in, in his power numbers. Uh, and I don't think I, so. I, based on the amount of sample time that we've had, you know, 30 games in 2019, yeah. 55 games in, in, in 2020, I don't know that he regressed. I think there's some adjustment to be made, but I think that's still what we haven't yet to see. And what the Rangers have the luxury of is you have, you've now given him about close to a hundred major league games of experience. You now have the ability to put him at a position for a full season where he'll get a full 500 at bats and find out yeah. this team has not found out what they've had. Now, does he have to earn that spot? Yes. He has to earn that spot because I think the Rangers have gone far too long with giving positions to players. Players have not had to earn positions. That goes back to the idea of meritocracy. What okay. has Odor ever done to win second base? What did Elvis ever do to well, win? Well, I'd say now. Listen, Ruggie was pretty good early, uh, and, and Elvis had his moments too. And 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 I think you know the fans. Uh, listen, fans fell in love with Elvis because he's just a fun guy, a good guy, you know. And, and he was a part of all the, all that winning. Uh, and there were things he did really well. But but that a lot of that was before metrics really took hold in baseball. And once we looked at the metrics on Elvis, not good. So I, I think that uh, in, in my mind. I agree with everything you say. I just, uh, that to me, to keep to try to keep these two guys on the roster, uh, unless unless John Daniels sits down with them and says, "Listen, you guys aren't going to play. We're we're going to go with the young guys. You're going to sit on the bench. You're going to be ha- You're going to have to be happy with that. Tell me right now how you feel about that. Because if you if you feel like you cannot play in that environment, then we're just gonna we're just gonna send you somewhere. We're gonna ship you somewhere for for nothing." and give you a chance to play someplace else. And to me, that's what they have to do. I, I just, I don't I think mean, that they're going to agree to it. Some kind of contract swap for one of those two guys. And I think for the other guy, they're basically going to have to say, look, you've lost your starting job. We're a team that's going to lose a hundred games. And if we won't start you, who would? So right. here's the deal. You have to take whatever role you get on this team and you have to prove that you still belong in the big leagues because this is your last step. Forget about being released. This is your last step before, you know, simply being out the door in the game. They have to have those kinds of hard conversations with people um, going forward because you can't, you can no longer gloss things over. If you want to set a championship example here, you have to start by demanding championship caliber play. All right, Evan, that's going to do it for our uh, podcast for this week. Uh, I'm sorry we didn't have David Moore on. We're trying to work our schedules out where we can make that possible. David's very busy. Unlike you and I, we, we're just goofballs with nothing else to do. And uh, I'd just be, you know, uh, playing video games or something if it weren't for, for this podcast. I don't What's know. your favorite video game these days, Kevin? Uh, I think uh, Pong. <laughs> I had you as a Frogger guy. I really did have you as a Frogger guy. Frogger? Yeah, Frogger. That's big. I'm big. Me and George. Me and George Costanza. We love Frogger. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. So, anyway, that's going to do it. So, we hope you all you will tune in on our podcast next week, and we'll have more about the Cowboys and their descent uh, to the bottom of the NFL. And uh, and maybe, uh, you know, maybe I'll have more uh, gold glove voting and another Ranger will win uh, uh, before next week. No? That's it? Okay. All right. Bye, Evan.
Bye, Kevin. <laughs>